Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. For our prayer time today, we want to think about this. We want to think about routine. You know, routine is good. Maybe watching and participating in this online service is part of your routine. That's a good routine to be in. Maybe you've had the routine of being part of church life for, for many years, maybe virtually all your life. That's a great routine. That's a great thing to be in. But you know, the danger is the routine can become routine. <laughs> it can just become ordinary. We can just sort of go through the motions, just sort of mail it in, as they say. But we want to make sure that we don't disconnect from the object of our faith, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, the person that's the bulwark of our faith, the center of our faith, that, it, that it's all about Him, and that's what we need to remember. So let's just pray today that we would not be disconnected by the routine of what we experience in worship. Would you join me today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the reality that we serve a great Lord. We, we worship a great Savior. We thank you that that Savior loved us enough to die on the cross for us, that he gave his life out of love. He gave his life to save us from our sins when we deserve nothing but judgment and nothing but your rebuke, but we have found your grace. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we just pray, Lord, you would help us today not to be disconnected from the real core of our faith, which is a person the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to lift his name high. We want to think of him. We want to reflect on his glory. We want to listen to his voice. We want to come into his presence. And Lord, we just ask for your help to do that. Help us to know when we open the word of God that we're hearing from you. Help us to remember that we have the spirit of God who indwells us, who wants to teach us and change us from the inside out. Thank you that we're surrounded and worshiping together today with brothers and sisters that are part of the great family of God. And you've called us into your family. Lord, you've done that because of your love. Help us not to just be routine. Help us not to go through the motions. Help us not to hear that familiar song and to just be able to repeat the lyrics without thought. Help us to, Lord, we open the Bible, say, oh, I've heard that story before, and it just kind of flows into the routine category. But no, help us to know that we need to be fed. We need to find something from your word. Help us in those moments of distress to truly trust, not in our, our faith, not trust in our routine, not trust in our experience with you, but trust in you, that we would lean on your ability. We would lean upon your wisdom, lean upon your goodness and your grace and your plan that we would connect with you. Lord, let our faith be personal. Let it be connected to the Lord Jesus. And may he be lifted up by all that we are today. May all that we say in this service today, all that we would desire to be in days yet future, because Lord, we know our future is in you. And in that day, our faith will be made sight. And as, as the apostle John tells us, that we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. There'll be nothing routine about that day. And Lord, there should not be anything routine about this day. So Lord, help us to worship you, help us to love you, help us to serve you to this day pray these things in the name of our Lord, our Savior, our coming King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's continue our worship now as our praise team is going to lead us in another great song. Lord, for your mercy never failed me all my days. 
I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, my I'm looking forward to sharing with you from the Word of God today as we look into Matthew chapter 17 and look at another Portraits of Love. Today we're going to look at Jesus using the picture of a mustard seed 
and we're going to see how uh, he opens up some great truths and some great things that you and I need to hear. So uh, have your Bible ready if it's available to you, and let's be in uh, Matthew 17, and let's study together. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 14, and we're going to see the mustard seed statement uh, come, come about down in verse 20. But verse 14 begins with this. And when they had come to him, excuse me, when they had come to the multitude, by the way, that phrase is a connector that's going to be very important for later in our study, so just note that. A man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is an epileptic and suffers severely. And he often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. So amazingly, it seems like it was routine that the disciples were able to, to cast out demons and to heal people because of their, what, the power that Jesus, the authority that Jesus had given them. But this one was a different case. They had, it had no effect. And he makes a very powerful statement, verse 17. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I, shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. So great ending of the story, but that's not the end of the story of what Jesus is teaching. Verse 19, And the disciple, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Now, if you go back to verse 17, you had the first clue, O faithless and perverse generation. There was a lack of faith. It was a breakdown of faith. There was no, and notice he says faithless. It wasn't just even little faith. It's no faith, okay? And he says this. Then Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. So he says, nothing will be impossible for you to do if you have this faith. And he uses the illustration of a mustard seed. Let me, first of all, show you a picture of some mustard seed. It's a very tiny. It was very familiar in their world. And uh, the mustard seed was considered tiny. But as you well know, you take that tiny mustard seed and plant it, it grows into something big. So he's saying, you take something very, very small, and all you need is something very, very small, which is faith, and something big can happen. So let's think about that, and let's see if we can think about what he's really saying here. Because uh, what we really need to do is make sure that faith is always attached to the object of trust. In other words, we could say, oh, I'm a person of faith. Many people say that today, right? I'm a person of faith. You a person of faith? Well, faith in whom and faith in what? You can just say, I believe that everything's going to be all right. Sun will come out tomorrow. Everything's going to be good. But have no object that that is based on, no re rationale, no reason, no person, no God, no Savior that connects to that. So he's saying to the disciples first and foremost, and he's saying to you and I, good reminder, not just go through the routine or go through the motions of the Christian life, but you need to be attached to the object of your trust. And that's where the disciples messed up. And may we say it this way, this is where you and I often, frequently mess up. It's not that we have, we don't, we're not people of faith or we're not saved, but he's simply saying this, you need to re-know re that you need to be attached to me. So let's look at verse, verse 20 again and see if we can break this down a little bit. It says, because of your unbelief. Now, there's a little bit of difficulty in translating this from the original into the English. Many English translations will translate this because of your little faith. And then he talks about the mustard seed faith. 
or it is because of your unbelief. So is it saying, here's the question, is it saying because you have no faith, if you had just a mustard seed faith, great things will happen? Or is he saying you have so little faith and it needs to grow? Well, it really doesn't matter because whatever faith they had or didn't have, it is less than the grain of a mustard seed, okay? It is tiny. It is small. It's on the, for all practical purposes, it's non-existent. And he's simply saying is your faith is not attached to the object. And here's what happens. is because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith, if you have faith, even this little bit of faith, and the mustard seed was considered very, very small, and it was very small. I think the modern equivalent that maybe we could relate to is kind of like a sesame seed, you know, like on a sesame seed bun, just a little tiny speck. He said, if you even had that little tiny, tiny speck in the right person, in the right object, great things would happen. Now, maybe an illustration would help us here because we want to think about the object of our faith. Imagine there's a bridge across a stream of water, and you look at it and you say, I, I have every confidence that that bridge will hold me up if I walk across it. I have great faith in that object, but maybe that bridge is rickety and it's, it, the wood is rotten, it's falling apart. You have strong faith in a weak object. What's going to happen if you try to cross? Oh, I believe in that, I believe in it, have great faith. You walk out there on it and it starts to creak and crack and plash right into the water. Now let's take that illustration and look at it a little bit differently. What if that bridge is plenty strong enough to hold you up, but you say, I have some doubts. I don't know. Maybe I can make it. I have, I have really a weak amount of confidence that that bridge could hold me up. Which is better, to have a strong faith in a weak object or to have a weak faith in a strong object? It's always number two, isn't it? Because that is the reality. Regardless of how I feel about it, what I think about it, even a little bit of faith, the faith just to take a first tentative step. But if it is a strong object, it's going to get you to the other side. So Jesus is saying this faith really needs to be connected back to me. And we're going to see this illustrated a little clearly when we come to the end of our message because we're going to look at some verses that occurred previous, the previous story to this one. But we need to have even a weak faith, even a small faith, even a mustard seed faith, even a sesame seed faith in a strong object. And that strong object is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, this is what we need to understand. This kind of trust, this kind of faith that is attached to the object of our trust, it focuses not on us, but on the object of faith. I suspect that the disciples, when they were trying to cast out this demon from this boy, they probably thought, you know, we, we've done this before. We've, we have, we've considered this before. We know what to say. We know how to do it. It's routine. It's, it's just workaday stuff. And they lost their viewpoint upon the Savior. It focuses on Him, on His ability, on His glory. You know, we need to, we need to be people who constantly focus on our Lord. And not let this become stale, not let's, let this become routine. But we need to focus on the object of our faith, which is the Lord Jesus. And we need to do that regularly. We need to spend time in God's Word regularly. That's the reason we have this service time, to teach in the Word of God and to share together regularly. You know, we could say, well, you know what? I think I want to run a marathon. I'll start training three days before the marathon to get ready for it. <laughs> not going to work, is it? No, if you're not a runner, you're going to need to train and train for weeks and months and months and months to build up your endurance to be able to run that marathon. If we're going to face some great challenges, and we will face great challenges in our, in our Christian life, we need to build up that endurance by focusing on the object of faith. And uh, uh, we need to make sure that, that this continual trust continues to focus on this reality, that His work flows through us, 
we have to depend on His work coming through us. He may use us as the channel. He may use our mouths, our lips, our hands, our heart, our abilities, our talents, our gifts. But if anything's accomplished of spiritual importance, spiritual significance, if great things are going to happen like mountain moving things, it's got to be His power channeled through us. We need to visualize that. I think the disciples uh, really messed up because he said, why could we not cast it out? That's what what they asked in verse 19. The reason was because they never could cast out a demon. Got it? Because the demons were stronger than the humankind. They could only cast out demons through the power of Christ flowing through them. This is where we get in trouble. We need to depend on his work flowing through us each and every day. So when he says, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can do these great things. So we need, it focuses on the object of faith, which is the Lord Jesus. It forces us to depend on his work flowing through us, and it forces us to worship who he is, his glory, if you will, because, it, because he's to receive all glory for what is done. If mountains move, it's because of him. And you think about the great things that have occurred, even over the, the course of the church, uh, it, it, its demise has been predicted imminent many, many times. The church is gone. God is dead. This is going to fold and fade. We've been, we're being enlightened beyond these, these, these spiritual beliefs. Well, the church is still here. It's still going on. And it's going to be here till Jesus sound, lets the trumpet sound and he gives the shout and calls us out. Or he calls us out of this life individually to be with him. So the church is doing just fine. Thank you. That is a mountain-moving experience. And this, this, this picture of a mountain moving is, is just, just mind-blowing. It's, it's just overwhelming to say to this mountain. Now, most of us say, well, I've never really been a part of a mountain-moving experience, but maybe the whole of what God is doing is like that. But you say, personally, what I've seen, haven't seen anything that, that, that large. Well, we need to come back to this reality. We need to focus on the object of our faith. And this kind of continual faith forces us to depend that it's his work flowing through us and it focuses us and forces us to worship his glory. It's all about him. You've heard me say this many times and if you don't mind, I'm going to say it one more time. If anything goes wrong, it's our fault. If anything's accomplished, it's to his glory. It's all to his glory. You might say, I did this, I thought of that, I strategized this, I planned this, I accomplished this, I was active in this. Yeah, God uses us through his grace. But all that is accomplished is through his glory. Let's give him thanks and praise for that. So he says, you can move mountains. Nothing will be impossible for you. These kind of verses should just jump out. How do we get through this impossible thing? How do we get to that impossible reality? It's through having faith. You don't need it. Remember, weak faith, strong object. But we have faith in him that we stay attached to the object of our trust that is Jesus. That we don't just have faith. Sometimes we just have faith in faith. We just think we have faith but it needs to be consciously attached to who he is. Now, how do we do that? Well, each of these pictures, these portraits of love that we've been looking at, we've tried to find somewhere in Scripture that illustrates it. We don't have to go far because it's right here in the same chapter. Go back to verse 1 of chapter 17, and it's right in front of us. Because this major story that precedes it is what we commonly call the transfiguration. And let me just read this account to you, and we'll give you a few points, three points that's going to help us understand how we can connect and remain attached to the object of our faith, this person that is the object of our faith, 
and how we can cooperate with that so that we will have that mustard seed faith and we will have that faith that can move mountains and do the impossible. Stick with me. Verse 17, 17 verse 1. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. So this, this, this smaller group, the subset of the disciples go up with them. And it says in verse 2, something amazing happened. He was transfigured, means he was changed, transformed. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as, as the light. Suddenly, he's changed, and he's glowing, and he's this brilliance. It's very obvious from what we know of the Old Testament when the glory of God showed up. It was depicted as light and brilliant light. The pictures we have of yet future being in the presence of God in heaven, it's all light and brilliance. So basically his, his humanity that had been shielding, veiling the glory that he possessed, for this moment it was allowed to shine through. It was a dazzling display. And then something else dramatic happened. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to, him, to them talking with him. And somehow the disciples recognized it was, was them. It's interesting that, that, that these two, Moses and Elijah, both had uh, interesting departures from this world. Moses was up on the top of a mountain and he didn't get to go into the promised land, but he, from the mountain he could look across the Jordanian Valley and he could see the promised land. But it says he died there and then God buried him. So, and no one knows where his grave was. He had, God took care of that all by himself. And then Elijah, you recall, was carried into heaven in a whirlwind. Remember, there was a fiery chariot that separated him and Elisha, but a whirlwind swept him into heaven. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. That was preparation because God was going to use them later. So here they are, peering from the dead, appeared to him and talked with him. And by the way, it's sort of like saying this com confirms all of the Old Testament. Moses, the lawgiver, the law, and Elijah, the chief one of the prophets. The law and the prophets, by the way, was a designation of the Old Testament that it was used in Jesus' day. So the law and the prophets, represented by these two righteous men, show up to talk with him. And we know from one of the other Gospels, they were talking about his coming ministry of his dying on the cross. There was this interaction that took place. And uh, I want you to go to verse 5. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Now, we skipped over verse 4 because Peter makes a statement about we should build tabernacles too, and that's not for our, our study today. But there's three basic concepts here that's going to help us stay attached to the object of our trust, the Lord Jesus. So we're not just going through the routine. So we're not saying we have faith, but we can't accomplish anything because we are lacking the faith in the object, in the person that we're attached to. And we're not just going through the routine, going through the motions. I just, oh, another exorcism, another demon casting out. Here we go. We've done it before. Why couldn't we do it this time? Because you've never been able to do it before. You need to stay connected to the object of your faith. So what are these uh, three clues here? Well, first of all, it says in verse 17 that six, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Number one, follow. That's the word. Follow. We could insert the word obedience there. We could put the word of, of just, just being in his way, doing what he tells us to do, avoiding what he tells us not to do. 
If we are going to be people that stay attached to the object of our trust, the Lord Jesus, it's just a person. We, we, we really focus on what he, he can do, His ability, His glory. We focus on that, and we, we, we visualize His power flowing through us, knowing that we don't do anything of ourselves. It's all about Him and all what He can do. Then we need to follow Him. That is, we, we kind of we kind of put routine in a bad light in this message, but we do need the routine of following Him regularly and, and truly. You're doing a great thing by participating in this worship service, participating, listening to this message today, studying the Word of God. We need to continue to do that, but we need to follow Him. We need to obey. And we have the Holy Spirit that when we step out of line or we're tempted to step out of line, we start that uncomfortable feeling. We sort of know it shouldn't do it. And if we transgress and then we wonder, why aren't things going well here today? What's wrong? What's, what's different? Oh, I stepped out of following the Lord in this particular regard. We need to confess it, forsake it, and get back in line. Because it is following him that allows us to stay attached to the object of our trust. Number two, it says that he was transfigured. He shone like the sun and, and all this amazing dazzle. They, they focused and were allowed to contemplate his glory. There is a God, and God is separate from us. He is unique. And Jesus was fully divine. I mean, it was amazing to see Elijah and Moses. I mean, what, 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 what wild thing that is. But Jesus was changed, and they saw him in a way they never saw him anytime else in his ministry or their time with him in his ministry. He was unveiled. They saw his glory. We need to focus on his glory. We need to think about these things. We need to think about what is it God can do? What can Jesus do? Well, he can move mountains. He can do the impossible. He has ultimate ability. He knows what to do with that power because he's infinitely wise and knowledgeable. He can do it wherever he wants because he's everywhere all at the same time. Those are what we call his omni-attributes, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, his knowledge. And then, then his character traits. He's loving. He's kind. He's gentle. He, he has time for us. He's patient. He's there for us. He wants what's best for us. He has a plan for us. He has a plan for everything, and ultimately all things are going to fall into place in his infinite plan for the ages and this world. Think about his glory. Lift him up. Praise him. Contemplate how good, how amazing he is. Sometimes in our prayer life we say, Dear Lord, I want this, I want this, I want this. Please help me with this, this, and this. But in our prayer time, we should allow some time to think about who it is. Remember in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, Our Father which art in heaven, who art in heaven, who is in heaven, that should key us on something. He's in this place of glory. Hallowed be thy name, be your name. That fact that you have a holy name, you have a holy place, you're a holy God, you're a God of glory. He starts the prayer with that. And we should include that in our prayer life, that we should focus on following him, focus on his glory, who he is, what he can do. And lastly, we need to focus on listening to his word. Did you see that? In verse 5, it says, while they were still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And apparently that was a, some further manifestation of the glory of God. Maybe the, the, a way of saying God the Father was present with them. And it says, suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Last two words, hear him. And those words were spoken by God Almighty to Peter, James, and John. And as Peter, James, and John heard them, they were amazed and dazzled by that. They fall on their faces, it says. And they heard they fell, when they heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. I mean, they were struck. 
I mean, they'd seen the glory of God. They'd seen Moses and Elijah. But when the voice of Almighty God speaks, they are face down. And it says this. Here's what God wants us to say, wants us to do. Here's what he says about what he wants us to do. Hear him. Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. The primary way he speaks to us is in the pages of Scripture once delivered to us who are the saints of God. Hear him. Are you listening to him today? Make sure that we just fill our minds, our hearts, our days with his word. Maybe you need to have the routine of, yeah, you study the word, you have some time alone with God, your devotional life, your quiet time. And maybe you're even in a Bible study, small group, all those things we recommend and are part of our spiritual development. But maybe just have the habit of having a Bible handy. I know there's one where I usually sit in our living room. There's actually a couple of them right there on the stand. And and sometimes when I have a few moments, I'll just pick it up and just read. Just read. Just read again God's Word. Ask God to speak to me. Lord, what do you want to say? What's, what's here? What have I, what have I, what have, what have I, what's gotten stale that I need refreshed on? What thing have I, you know, I've read it before. I've read all the way through it before. I study it often. But Lord, there's something here. Just be a person that says, I want to hear Him. If we follow Him, if we focus on His glory and we hear Him, then we will stay connected to that object of our trust who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read this verse one more time. And Jesus said to them, blessed, blessed, excuse me, sorry, this again. Verse 20. So he said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have, the, have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Remember, that faith is not just faith in faith. That faith is in an object. And remember, even though we have small faith in a strong object, amazing things will happen. Let's focus on positioning ourselves where we can stay attached to the object of our trust. As we do, God will do amazing things in us and more importantly, more excitingly through us today. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. And thanks too for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.